You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Well, hey, good morning, East Point Church. How you doing today? Man, it is so great to gather with each of you this morning. If we have not had the privilege of meeting, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at East Point Church. Uh, And if it was your first time with us last week at Easter, you heard from our lead pastor, Sam. Uh, And this week you get me. So I am looking so forward to to bringing the word this morning. I'm just excited. Do you feel excited this morning? It is a good day. It is. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. That's where we're going to be at today. And I want to ask you this question as we start this morning. Have you ever received a gift that changed everything? Okay, for some of you, maybe it was your first car, you know, that first taste of freedom. Maybe it was that telescope you got as a kid that really helped fuel your passion to become an astronaut. Maybe for some of you, it was your first iPhone or iPod, if you remember what that was. Maybe for some of you, it was that small little jewelry box that emerged from behind your spouse's back that one day. I'll never forget what that moment was for me, okay? The moment... That changed everything for me, okay? It was my sixth birthday, and I had been begging my parents, okay, for a Nintendo 64. I was begging my parents for it. All my friends had it. It was like the thing. It was like the thing to get. And I remember I was like, Mom and Dad, please, please, please. So when my birthday finally came around, I was just hoping beyond all hope that I would receive this N64, okay? And, and I don't know how you guys do parties in your families, but for me, I'll give you a little tour, okay? Uh, we start off with a lot of food. All the family comes over. We have a lot of food. And when you're a kid, you're just, you just can't wait for that moment when, when mom's like, all right, come upstairs. It's time to open presents. And it's like, you know, so like, I just could not wait for that moment, okay? And, and for in my family, the way that we did it, we did presents in like rounds, okay? So round one was the cards, okay? You just give honor to whom honor is due. You had to read the card from grandma, grandpa, all your aunts and uncles, okay? And I came from an Italian family, so it was an extensive list there. And, I, and as a kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, could you write something shorter, please? So that was round one. Round two, okay, then you start to get some, like, packages going on there. It's usually smaller gifts. It was clothes, like socks or a T-shirt, um, you know, maybe Legos or an action figure, something like that, okay? And then I remember after that second round of gifts, I thought to myself, I had this moment of panic because amongst the wrapping paper, I could not see a big box. And I was like, oh, no. I'm like, what if this is it? What if this is all I get? Talk about a spoiled kid, right? I'm like, what if this is it? What if this is all that I get for my birthday? I've been asking them, where is it? And just when all hope had seemed lost out of the corner of my eye, I see my father come around that corner with his big box in his hand. And I just knew. I knew. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the moment that I've been waiting for. And when I finally got the ha- my hands on that box, I was tearing open that paper. And 
my cousins were like, Daniel, what is it? What is it? And I'm like, it's an N64. You know, just like so stoked. Like that changed everything for me. Now I could be able to talk to my friends about all the games that we're playing. I could play all the games that I saw on TV and experience new worlds and, and all that kind of stuff. I was just on top of the world. And then life changed again. Everything changed again a few years later when the new video game consoles started to stock the shelves like Xbox and PlayStation. And I was like, oh man. Then my friends started to get those and I was back at square one. I thought I had it all, but here I was again, square one. But does that drive you crazy when the thing that you so desperately want and look forward to becomes outdated in just a few months or years? Because you know that, hey, there's going to be something that's more updated or something nicer is going to come out. Or in a few months and years, this thing that you had, it's going to break beyond repair and, or become too faded and out of style. Wouldn't it be nice to have that one thing that we can count on that will never change? That one thing that, we can, that will never fade and never expire. And, and, you know, something that we could even take with us. How cool would this be? Something that we could even take with us when we leave this earth. Does such a thing exist? Well, this morning, friends, we're going to read a part, part of a letter that the Apostle Peter writes to a group of Christians who were exiled from their native land. People who lost absolutely everything. And on top of that, they faced a lot of persecution because they were followers of Jesus. And in these verses that we're going to read together, Peter talks about a gift that changes everything. This gift is so good that even in the toughest of times, God's people can rejoice. This gift, friends, is so good that it's something that you can enjoy on earth, but even more when you get to heaven. And this gift that was available to our friends in the letter that Peter writes is also available to you and me. Are you curious what it is? Well, I'm not going to put you through what my family put me through with the, the different rounds of gifts. I'm going to go ahead and share it right off the bat with you this morning. This gift that we're talking about this morning is salvation. Today we're going to learn that salvation is promised to those who live by faith. So let's start unwrapping this present together. We're going to start in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1. And he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation to be revealed in the last time. You see, the first thing that we're going to talk about is that the father takes care of his children. You know, I mentioned that I came from an Italian family, so we loved movies like The Godfather, okay? And, you know, these, these mobster Italian movies. And in those movies, there was always a wedding scene, okay? There was always a wedding in Italian families for some reason. Um, and there was always this one guy that would go and see the bride and the groom. And he would shake their hand and he'd be like, Hey, you married my niece. I'm going to take care of you. You're in the family now. Okay. Oh, come on, people. 
It's 1030. I've been practicing all week for that. No, I'm just joking. Okay, but on a serious note, Peter is saying here, we are in the family now. He is thanking God because we're born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he begins by, he praises God and he addresses him as Father. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He's the Father to Jesus Christ, but also he brings this up because of what comes next. He says, God, the Father, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. We now become his children. So what does the term born again mean? Right, you may have heard this in Christian circles before when someone says, like, I'm born again. It's like, great, what does that mean? Born again means this from Peter, is that we receive new life through Jesus' death and resurrection. Not through our own efforts, but this new life, it changes our status before God, and it also changes our lifestyle before others. You see, Peter uses the analogy of new birth, but I also love what the Apostle Paul uses a lot of times. He uses adoption as an example of our relationship with God the Father. And in adoption, right, you receive a new name, you receive a new home, and you receive a new set of values when you're brought into that family. And the same could be said of the family of God. When we follow Jesus, when we come into God's family, he gives us a new name, he gives us a new home. Say, like, hey, you're part of this family now. And he gives us a new lifestyle, new way to live. This is what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. This is what it looks like to be a part of this family. And so God becomes our father. And as God's children, we act differently than we did before. So you may ask, how do, how do I become born again? Is there some sort of like crazy ritual that I got to do? Um, do I have to pay a fee? Do I have to pay a fee to be in the club? Like, do I put in the memo, born again, uh, on my check? Like, what is this? Well, Peter gives us the answer, and he says that it's according to God's great mercy. It's according to God's great mercy that we Earn, that we receive this gift. There is nothing we could possibly do to earn this gift. It's according to God's mercy. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, he writes this, he, he, being God, saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. You see, because of God's great mercy, he gave us his son Jesus who died and rose again. And because of that sacrifice, you and I receive new life. You and I receive a new identity. But the amazing thing is, is, that's not all that we receive. There is more. Let's keep reading. We are given an inheritance. We are given an inheritance. And in the time that Peter is writing... An inheritance was typically ancestral land that was passed down from generation to generation. Right? So when your father would pass, you would inherit the land and everything that came with the land. However, in this time period, there was a lot of persecution that threatened people's inheritances. 
There was the threat of hostile neighbor. There was a threat of mobs who would just come through and destroy everything. There was even the threat of the government confiscating your land just because. And in this case, Peter is writing to a people, right, who have been exiled. That means that they've been removed from their native land. They've been exiled from their homes. But thank God, because this inheritance, it can't be stripped away by man. This inheritance, friends, nobody can touch this. And Peter describes that this inheritance uh, in, in a few different ways, right? The first word that we see that's tied, that's attached to this inheritance is that it's imperishable, right? There is no expiration date. There is uh, no expiration date on the inheritance package, right? It's not like, oh, shoot, I was supposed to use this uh, before November 26th of 2020. 30. Oh my goodness, I lost it. There's no expiration date. It's imperishable. It never goes bad. It lasts forever. The second is that it's undefiled, right? That means it's pure. So how do you respond to something that seems too good to be true? For me, there's two groups of people, all right? There's the first group of people who are probably like me, um, are like, wow, that's amazing, Wow, this sounds great. I'll sign up for that. I want, I want that. That's great, right? Okay, and there's like, yeah, everyone's, everything's fine. Everything's great. There's a second group of people that are like, mm-hmm, yep. Oh, I'm waiting for you to finish your spiel because I know that there, there's a catch to this. How many of you are like that? How many of you like know that I'm not going to get my hopes up because there's a catch? Or then there's no one that's in those two categories, and there's a third one that I'm not sure about. But typically, that's what I see is those two things. And here, talking about this inheritance, right, there is no catch. In this, this inheritance, with it being pure and undefiled, there is no catch to this. See, God isn't trying to pull a fast one on us. He's not saying, follow me, trust me, put your eggs in one basket, and when I, and I, when I pull the wool over your eyes, I'm going to take your money, I'm going to take advantage of you, I'm going to do all those things. That is not who God is. There's no catch. God is not trying to pull a fast one on us. God's not out to get you. God's not out to get your money. But his intentions are pure, undefiled, Next, it's unfading. It doesn't lose its value. It doesn't wear. It doesn't get old over time. And you know why this inheritance sounds too good to be true, okay? Because there are two things here. Is that it's kept in heaven for you. This is way safer than any bank that you could put an inheritance in. No, this inheritance is being kept in heaven for you. But on top of that, by God's power, are being guarded. This inheritance is stored in heaven, but God is also guarding it. It's in safe hands. So, what is this inheritance? What is it? The inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven, and guarded, friends, is our completed salvation and eternal life. 
It's the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. I think to, to help explain what that means, uh, I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. And uh, Paul is writing this, and I, think, and I think it just really makes a lot of sense. And he says this. He says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, what means when we get to heaven, face to face, now, here on earth, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So while we're here on earth, we only see part of the big picture, right? We can only dream of what heaven's going to be like. And as children of God, we get to experience God's goodness. We get to experience his protection, his faithfulness, his miracle working power, his presence while we're here on earth. But friends, what we know, we've experienced this, there is still suffering and hardship here. There is still pain and weeping here on this earth. And when we finally see Jesus face to face, we will experience the fullness of salvation that we have received and the fullness of eternal life. But there is one thing, though. I knew it! I knew it! I, 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 you, said, you said there was no catch, but here we are at the end of your spiel, and you're like, well, there's one thing. Like, okay, guys, let me talk. You're talking too loud in here. Please, hold on. Let me finish. One, th- one thing that God is asking is that we have faith. That we have faith in Jesus Christ and faith in the promise that God has for us. Because, friends, salvation is promised to those who live by faith. So when I ask you this morning, do you have faith that God holds your future and your eternity? And if so, do you live like it? You know, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't always live like it. I don't. There, there's so many times where I'm wrapped up in the here and now. And, you know, last year, my wife and I, we bought our very first house. And it's a fixer-upper, all right? It's got, you know, it's an old house. Beautiful, but it's old. So there's a lot to work on. And, uh, you know, so I'm constantly thinking about ways to improve this house. I'm thinking, all right, like in, in a few years, we're going to need to do the roof. So I need to set money aside for that. I really want a nice yard where our, do- our dogs can run and play. And then we can have people over and have barbecues and things like that. And I'm just like thinking every single day of how to make this house better. And as I was writing this message, I was like, I stopped to think. I'm like, how often? do I think about my eternal home? How often do I think about what it's going to be like when we pass from this earth? And I was like, oh man, I don't often think about that. Yeah, at rehearsal on Thursday nights, that's when, that's when the, our band uh, gets together and meets. Um, our electric guitar player, Ron, was sharing with us. We were going through the scripture together and talking about the things that stood out. And I was like so moved by what he was sharing because he was sharing about just this like tension of like loving being here, but then also the desire to be home, the desire to see God face to face, to see Jesus face to face. And I was so moved by that. And I was so convicted. Like, I'm like, Lord, man, I'm writing this sermon. I'm like, Lord, forgive me for not thinking enough about those times. Forgive me. God, 
those times where I don't think enough about what that's going to be like. Peter reminds us here that God has given us this salvation and inheritance through his mercy and that he's keeping it safe for us until he calls us home. And all he asks us is that we have faith. So praise God for this inheritance that's stored in, in heaven for us. But, but you might be like me and ask, well, okay, how about here and now? What does this look like for us now? How does this affect me now? This is something that's stored in heaven for later. Do I just forget about it until I get there? Well, no. Let's keep reading. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, that's more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter starts off, so here, our second point is this, that tested faith produces genuine faith. Tested faith produces genuine faith. So Peter begins and says, in this you rejoice. What we just talked about, we rejoice in the sure salvation and inheritance. And Peter wants his audience to fixate on this thought. Peter wants them that to be at the forefront of their minds, that no matter what comes their way on earth, that doesn't change what they're going to receive in heaven. And Peter's audience has been grieved, right, by various trials. I shared how these people were exiled from their native land, and they live... They now live in these new regions where they are considered resident aliens. And now for those of you who don't know me, I'm a resident alien here in the United States. Okay? I was originally born in Montreal, Quebec in Canada. All right? And I moved to the United States for college when I was 18 years old and went through the whole process of uh, getting my green card and all, and all things like that, okay? But being the, a resident of the United States comes with certain privileges. And I had to look this up because I was like, I should, I should know what my privileges are, right? I should not just come here and not, not ask any questions. So here's what the immigration uh, office says, okay? The first thing is that as a resident alien, I am free to live permanently in the United States provided I don't commit any actions that would make me removable under immigration law, okay? The second thing is that I can work in the United States at any legal work of my qualification and choosing. It's pretty great, the freedom to do that. And then the third thing is this, I am protected by all laws of the United States. My state, which is Maryland, and local jurisdictions. You see, the way resident aliens were treated back then looked so differently than what it looks like today. Even though they were able to live in a region, they were discriminated against. They were restricted in who they could marry, what land they could purchase, voting, participation in certain associations, and they were subject to higher taxes and more severe criminal penalties. They were viewed as a threat to society because they were different, so they were treated differently. And that's tough, right? A tough place to be in. But friends, these aren't the trials that Peter is talking about here. 
The various trials that Peter's talking about are not those things that, that happen as a result of life. No, but he's talking about those trials that happen because of your faith in Jesus. Peter doesn't coddle them here. He doesn't tell them, guys, I'm so sorry you have to go through this. Man, you have every right to be upset. I'm just praying that it gets better for you. No! Okay? He's not coddling them here. But instead, he encourages, this, he encourages them and says, In this you rejoice. When our faith is tested, God uses that to refine us as an opportunity to refine us. And to help, better, to help us better understand that, he uses, that the, he uses the analogy of gold that is refined in fire. Okay, so I did a lot of research for this, for this message. You know, I looked up the, at the immigration office for my rights, and then I also looked up what the, process, what the method of refining gold in fire looks like. Okay, so you ready for this? Take notes. So, the method of refining gold through fire is one of the oldest methods of obtaining pure gold. And now, according to mygoldguide.com, in case you're interested, it says this, that gold scraps are placed in a crucible, and this crucible is then placed in a furnace, which is heated up to almost 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, that looks pretty close. The gold melts at such a high temperature, and it is then transferred to another container, leaving the impurities and other substances floating at the surface. Talking about gold, it made me think of the time that I picked out my wife's engagement ring. Never forget it. We were, uh, we were home visiting family in Montreal, and I, we had it all planned out. Kayla was going to go spend the day with my sisters, and then I was going to go to the bank uh, to take care of business, all right? So I get to the jeweler, and there is just like, guys, I don't know if you've been here. You've definitely been here. But anyways, you get to the jeweler, and there is just so many options, now, I had an idea of what she wanted, but there was just so many options. There's too many to choose from, and I just, I could not make a decision. And then the jeweler was talking with me, and he was like, you know, what we can do is that if there's a few different things that you like, we can, we can make something, make our own thing. And I was like, really? Make our own thing, you say? So we did. We custom made this ring, and I was just so proud of it. And I could not wait to get my hands on this thing and to, and to show my wife what I got for her. Um, and then six, week go, six weeks go by, and I finally received this, this ring. And I remember the moment that I first opened it. And just like the joy that flooded my heart because it was so pure. It was so beautiful. It was shiny. It was precious. There were no fingerprints on it. There, it was just spotless. There was no impurities, nothing. And, and I was thinking about it. I was like, if there were any imperfections, if there were any impurities to this ring, I would have sent that back. Because I'm like, man, she deserves the best. Right? She deserves the best. And the point that Peter is making here is that our faith is more precious than one of the most precious materials that this world has to offer. And if it's more precious then how much more should our faith be refined? Tested faith produces genuine faith. 
And when we suffer hardships for the sake of Christ, God uses that, right, to bring those, those imperfections and those impurities up and out of us. He, he uses that to, to mold us and to shape us. To shape us. We see some similar language here as talking about trials and going through the testing in James chapter 1. I love this. And it says, it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You see, God is producing something genuine in us. So genuine that when we face hardship, we stand firm. God loves us so much. God loves you so much. He cares so much about you. He's going to refine you. He's going to shape you. That He's going to mold you. He's going to produce something genuine out of us. And as we face trials and persevere through Christ's strength and grace, the end result is going to be this. It's going to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This made me think of baptism last week. We had 15 baptisms on Easter Sunday. Isn't that amazing? 15 baptisms. And I had the privilege of putting together the testimony video that we saw, okay? And, and I had to go through like 30 minutes of just these beautiful stories and testimonies of God's grace. Seeing how each one of these people went through their, you know, went through seasons, went through trials, went through all those things that resulted in the action and their decision to follow Jesus with all their heart and with all their, with, with everything, right? And, and it was cool because in this moment on Easter Sunday, we gathered together. We were listening to these stories. We were listening to the trials and things. And we celebrated God's grace in their life. We celebrated what God has done. And, and I was thinking about this as I was writing the sermon. I was like, man, I feel like this is like a little bit of a glimpse of heaven. Because there's going to be that day when we stand before God. And I'm just like picturing that like off to the side. There's friends. There's family. There's people who've, who've known us throughout our lifetime who are there, who are like, I've seen you go through the, through the fire. I've seen you go through the trials. But man, it is so amazing to rejoice with you, to rejoice that you are here, that you stood firm in your faith and you are standing here, that you are seeing Jesus face to face. And I was just like, man, those baptisms was just like a glimpse of heaven to me. A glimpse of heaven. Where in that day when we stand before Jesus, we're able, right, the testing of our faith, it results in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because it's worth it. The end result, friends, is that we will have eternal life with him. Because salvation is promised to those who live by faith. Jesus is asking us to have faith in him even when things get hard. Humans, we have a hard time committing to things. When things get difficult or uncomfortable, we like to jump ship. We like to jump on somebody else's ship, right? That's not, that seems like it's not sinking. 
And earlier I asked if you had faith that, God's, that God holds your eternity and future. But do you have faith that God holds your present? Do you have faith that his intentions are good as he is refining you? And that even though you don't see it, do you believe that he's working? So Peter continues and says this. He says, though you have not seen him, you guys love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. You see, we we rejoice not in what we see now, but in what we will see. You see, he, Peter commends the believers of their love for God because even, even, even though they don't see them and even though they don't see him, they have inexpressible joy because that's the evidence of faith. That's the evidence of their faith and their complete salvation that they're going to receive when they see Jesus. Do you have a hard time believing in something that you can't see? I remember as a kid, I, asked my, I had asked my mom, I was probably like six years old, same time I got my N64. And uh, I remember asking my mom, Mom, how do we know that what we believe in is the truth? There's so many things out there. There's so many beliefs out there. Mom, how do we know what we believe is the, tr- is the truth? My poor mother, I asked her a loaded question. I know I caught her off guard for sure. But, you know, as I grew up, I saw the way my parents lived their life. As I grew up, I saw how God changed my life and how he changed the life of those around me. You know, we were talking just about baptisms. Like, man, those stories from death to life, it's beautiful. Beautiful. And only God could have done that. And and one of the people that got baptized, she said this. She's like, I'm not doing this because this is cool, but I'm doing this because this is real. This is real. And only God can take us from our hopeless situations and give us life. Only God can bring peace that's unexplainable and joy that's inexpressible, right? In, in the, the difficult things in life, right? We, church, we've seen God's faithfulness. We've seen his goodness where we look back and say, man, that was God. Wait, there are moments in our lives where we're just like, man, the way this worked out, the way that this was orchestrated, there is no way that this just happened by chance. But this is God. This is real. This is real. Even though I don't need to see him to believe him because, man, I see so many of his qualities and his characteristics. I see the way he's changing lives, the way he's changing people. I see that. So even though we don't see him, church, we love him and we rejoice in him. You see, this, this is the fruit of our salvation. This is the outcome of our faith. This is the salvation of our souls. Because salvation is promised to those who live by faith. Even when we don't see. So as we come to the end of our message today, Peter is going to share one more thought about this salvation. We are blessed to know God's plan to save humanity. 
But before Jesus, God's plan was a little bit of a mystery. So let's finish this together. Concerning this salvation, concerning what, what we've been talking about, this salvation, this inheritance, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them, it was revealed to the prophets, that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. You see, the last point that we see here is that the prophets, they rejoiced in what they did not see and in what we see now. The prophets rejoice in what they did not see, but in what we see now. You see, in the Old Testament, God reveals, <laughs> revealed pieces of his salvation plan to the prophets, and the prophets would communicate to the people when they heard from the Lord. And Peter says that they, they searched and inquired diligently, so carefully, Right, this was big news. God was saying like, hey, I have a plan of how to save humanity. Something that's not going to require you to have to do animal sacrifices and all these things. So they spent time searching and inquiring carefully about this salvation. But, but, so they knew God had a plan, but they just didn't know who God was going to use for this plan. And they also didn't know when that was going to happen. And I don't know about you, but that would drive me insane having like the pieces to the puzzle, but not knowing like, when is this going to happen? Who is this going to be? But what they did know, friends, is that they weren't going to see it. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. Not themselves, but you. It just makes me think, like, they didn't throw in the towel. They weren't like, well, this doesn't apply to me. If I'm not going to see it and I, it doesn't apply to me, then I'm not going to search. I'm not going to inquire. I'm not going to be so careful about this. It'll happen when it happens. But no, they understood how great this salvation was. They were so excited for what God was going to do because they knew how good the Lord was. And when we're talking about the prophets here, we're talking about those, those men in the Old Testament, prophets like Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel, these people who had visions and who saw just pieces of what God was going to do. They were filled with the excitement and the joy that one day God was going to unravel something so beautiful for his people. You see, they were preparing the world and they were preparing God's people for what God was going to do in the future. And that future, friends, is now. What the prophets sought and inquired about was Christ's sacrifice. When Jesus would take the sin of the world on his shoulders, past, present, and future sins, he took that on his shoulders and he nailed it to the cross and he set us free. And we are privileged to know and to experience this salvation today and to know that there is more waiting for us when we leave this earth. You see, this history lesson is important for us. 
It could just be easy to be like, oh, yay, like salvation, great. God's with us in the trials, great, and all the prophets, whatever. But this history lesson is important, church, because it helps us remember how great and excellent the salvation is. And I love this quote from from one of uh, biblical commentators, Scott McKnight. He says this. He said, it is so great. He's talking about salvation here. It is so great that even the angels are looking to gain a view. Like, a, like wedding attendees attempting to steal a, a glance at the bride before her appearance. Not even the prophets or the angels experience what the church gets to experience today. Isn't that crazy? They don't get to experience what we get to experience and enjoy today. But they were laying the groundwork for that. The prophets were laying the groundwork for that. They were telling the people, just wait, because God has something coming. So what does this mean for us? What does this message mean for us? This should ignite our hearts with praise, glory, and honor to God our Savior. Because salvation, friends, is promised to those who live by faith. And as we conclude today, I'm going to invite the band up. I want to read this text from start to finish. What I want you to do is I want you to listen to this. You see, Peter wrote this to thank God and to encourage the believers with this gift that has been freely given to them. This precious gift that we get to enjoy when we pass from this earth, but it also should affect how we live today. And as I read this, I want you to listen. I want you to listen. I want you to reflect on this salvation. I want you to reflect even on the questions that were asked earlier. Hey, do you trust God? Do you trust God in your future? Do you trust God with your future, with your eternity? And if so, how do you live like it? Do you trust God with your present? Do you trust God with your present even when things get difficult and when things get hard? You know, going back to what Peter is talking, the trials that Peter was talking about, like, he's talking about things like when your friends and your family, they mock you for what they, what they believe, for what you believe. Do you still trust God? Or how about in your workplace when you feel the pressures of your boss telling you to, to lie, cheat, or steal, to just get ahead, but you know in your heart of hearts that I live a new life now. My lifestyle is different. I don't do that anymore. You know, we're going to go through things in this life because we're followers of Christ. Does that mean we should throw in the towel? Absolutely not. Because friends, it is worth it. This salvation has been in the works for thousands of years. This salvation has been crafted so beautifully by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This inheritance is being kept for you in heaven. It's being kept for us. This changes everything. So we're going to read this together. We're going to read. You listen and reflect.
and then we're going to end with communion. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, that is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicated when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And as we end, friends, we're going to sing this song together and my encouragement is this if you feel like you need to stand and give God praise and glory for this gift I invite you to do so but if this is something where you're like man I'm reflecting on this I'm still chewing on this and I just need to to sit and reflect on this some more I invite you to do that I invite you to respond and how you feel like God is leading you to respond and just one more thing like for those of you maybe who have said, hey, I've never even made that decision to follow him. Can I tell you, according to God's great mercy, he's inviting you to be a part of this family. This isn't a club for good people. But these are for people who are saying, I believe in him. And I want all that he has. And I'm going to follow him. So whatever, however God is... At, Moving on your hearts to respond this morning. Let's respond. Let's sing. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.